Podcast. I'm Nick. Sorry for the late release date, but I can guarantee you that because of it, I'll make it up to you guys with a couple of extra episodes this week. I'm Nick, an educator that is constantly asking myself and annoying everyone around me with the question, why can't it be fun? Today, we'll talk to Sophia about her art and how she finds motivation from the things around her, as well as speaking to Principal Jennifer Jackson about her interesting background before getting into education. But before we do that, I have some notes for you. With that, we're on to knickknack note number two. Uh, I have a little bit of extra free time on my hands now, so I've been filling it with reading, or reading that I wasn't able to do before. Uh, we all know that there's a new normal now, and this new normal may last a bit longer. But as the self-proclaimed, why can't this be fun, what's the positive side, and how do we improve this person, uh, I have some thoughts. I read an article, uh, which will be linked in the description, that talks about how this moment in time shows us what we really need. It's showing us the cracks in our armor, so to speak. As a teacher, I think about how I can help students fill the gaps in their knowledge every day. Now, maybe we have a chance to come together and decide what we and our students really need on a day-to-day -day basis, what's necessary and what isn't. As an educator, I see students that can't access content because they don't have internet or a device. I see students that are losing the structure that made them successful, and in some cases, the adults that give them that small assist they need. We have a moment here to create a better system that hits directly at the needs of our students. I can't wait to come together with my fellow educators and see what's possible. I really believe that every teacher will come back uh, better after this with new skills, new tools to support learning. Nick Knack noted. You all know that I'm an educator that likes to talk. So with that, let's get started. Okay, so I'm here with Sophia, one of my sixth grade students. Sophia, do you want to say hi? Hello. Sophia, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing today? I'm doing really good. Uh, it's That's so great. nice to hear from you. It's nice to hear from you too. I know. I miss all the students and I just like, this has been a really nice little way to kind of connect with all of you guys. Have you been able to connect with any of your friends or anything? I have, yeah. Um, I miss everybody. I miss school. I miss pretty much everything out in the world. Um, yes, I've been doing Zoom calls with some of my friends to keep in touch. Oh, awesome. So you're kind of like a Zoom pro now? <laughs> sort of. Sort of? <laughs> yeah. So uh, what have you been filling your time, do, what have you been filling your time during spring break? Um, I have mainly been uh, drawing, um, just like um, trying to, I don't know how to explain it exactly, but like just kind of like doing fun stuff at home. Like I don't even know how, but like kind of interesting stuff. Well, it's funny that you bring up drawing because that's definitely something I want to talk about. Yeah. Um, Sophia, in my class, you are uh, quite the artist. And anytime you get done with your work as, as the productive student that you are, the first question I get is, uh, instead of reading, can I draw? 
That is yeah. often the question I get. That's so, always what I ask every time. <laughs> I always ask, can I draw? So I'm wondering, like, so, are, are your parents artists or do you just have, like, an interest in it? Um, my dad is an artist. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. I think his art is interesting because it looks really good. And he finds a way to, like, paint on, like, a dark um, sheet of paper and make it look like it's like printed like a printed picture but it's not so wow so yeah. do you do you and him kind of like talk about art a lot like how you guys get um anything? not really talk unless we're actually doing like ha we actually happen to be doing art at the same time mm -hmm. as usually when we start talking about it what what do you guys like to, what kind of pro do you do projects together um, not really. We kind of do our own thing, and then mm -hmm. my dad might be like, "Oh, like what are you doing there?" And I'm all I'm drawing. <laughs> <laughs> Sophia, what a middle school answer! He wants more than just I'm drawing. I know. He knows that you're drawing. Um, like I try to explain what's happening, but then he might be like, "Wait, what's happening there?" And I'm all, "Thanks." <laughs> <laughs> so, what are your favorite thing? Like, what 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 does your inspiration come from? Like, where where do you come up with your ideas? I don't really know. I usually end up staring at the paper for like a long time and then I usually come up with something that I don't even know what it is, but I end up just drawing it. Okay. It's kind of interesting. Like I draw lots of scribbles to make it into some sort of design. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I find that interesting. I do that a lot. Okay. I th I hope that you like keep drawing and I'm happy that your dad is an artist yeah. so he can keep keep pushing you to draw because when I was a kid I drew all the time but I definitely was not very good so one yeah. of the things one of my interests when uh when I was maybe like a little bit younger than you guys like late elementary school uh, yeah. I was super into Pokemon. Like I loved all yeah. the Pokemon. That was my jam and yeah. I would go ahead and they had like you could go ahead and print out pictures of Pokemon like online. And oh, then cool. my mom had this like board. It was, well, it was like a light board and light would come up and you could put paper on it and then another paper. So you could like trace things. Oh yeah. I've seen those and well, Oh, those are really cool. Like you can do a sketch and re sketch the sketch. Exactly. Yeah, I always saw those. And I, I always thought those were really cool. So, so I would use those and like draw like some basic like Pokemon and whatever. And then I'd just yeah. like make changes to it. And that, yeah. but that's the extent of my art. Like that's where it ended. I, I yeah. was not very good. So I've given that up. I, I stick to doodles and things like that at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it sounds fun though, like to do like the light thing. I don't yeah. Know. The light thing. Yeah. It sounds interesting and really cool. Are you interested in any other kind of art or just kind of like sketching and drawing? Um, well, I've tried painting mm -hmm. and, um, well, I do sketching. That's like my main thing. Mm -hmm. I, oh, I also do digital art. That's one of my favorite, like, that's like the strong yeah. suit of my art. So you did that for your one pager. I remember that was super yeah. cool. So digital yeah. art is something that you're super, that you want to get more into. Um, actually, yeah, it, usually what I do on most of my time during break. Okay. Yeah. Miss Ayala and I have thought about trying to set up some kind of class, like some kind of a digital art class, you know? Ooh, know. that sounds... Ooh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would, 
we'll we'll see if it can if we could get that off the ground but that was one of our goals because i know you like earlier in the school year we did like the like ebook in my class right do you remember that and yeah i remember oh yeah we thought it'd be super cool to kind of do like an ebook but like more than just like google slides because i don't know that much about it but apparently Ayala knows like a ton so we need to kind of like set something like that up maybe maybe you'll be like in the first class we'll have to see Ooh, that sounds like yeah, that'd be amazing. <laughs> I'm excited for that if that happens. <laughs> we'll have to see. And uh, maybe I'll poke around on the internet and see if they have any free classes right now because tons of places are doing like free classes. I think I posted yeah. my girl in my Google Classroom, uh, Nikon, like the people that make the cameras. Oh, cool. They're doing like free photography classes that you can just like go oh, and take. Yeah. So. Definitely. I that bet you other fun. places are doing something like that too. Yeah. 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 Ooh, that sounds- so speaking of kind of like of things that we do outside of our school time and for you sometimes in your school time, like your art, what else do you spend your time doing when you're like not at school? Well, pretty much half of the time is art. The other <laughs> half of the time is, um, well, I actually am writing a story at the moment right now. Really? Yeah, I really wish like we were at school and then like I we could all be in English class and then I could be like, that's what I have to do in the story. Like, <laughs> well, feel free to share the story with me. I've had students share stories with me in the past and yeah. if you want to type it up, I can give you like notes and maybe we can set up. Yeah. You know what we could do, could be really cool is if you share it with a couple of students or I could share it with yeah. some of the students and then we could all get in on a Zoom call and talk about the story. Oh yeah, that'd be cool. Um, so do I tell you what the story is about a little you bit? Want, if, you, if you're willing to tell me, I would um, love to hear about it. So I'm not finished with like not even a page, but um, what I'm thinking, it's about a group of kids. Um, and I'm kind of adding in movie references and other books into the thing and kind of morphing it into one story. Okay. Um, but it's like, I, I, it's about um, a group of kids that like go out on a camping trip um, during like fall or yeah, summer, summer is not fall. Why did I say Mm -hmm. fall? Okay. So they go to a camping trip on uh, during summer. um, So they ride their bikes down and then they do exploring and then they explore this abandoned house Mm -hmm. and then they find like all sorts of weird things in the house and they try to like learn more about it. Okay. I, I think that that's a strong start. I think like you're definitely onto something. Yeah. Okay. So I hope I can't wait to hear more or read more about that coming up. Yeah. Uh, so, so kind of like thinking about school, what are your favorite parts of the school day? Of the school day? Um, my favorite parts is pretty much the whole entire school day. Cause you get to interact with people and learn stuff <laughs> while you're like during the coronavirus when you're at home. Uh-huh. Just kind of like, um, like you're still learning, but you can't like see your friends anymore. It's sad. Do you have a different kind of appreciation for school now or kind of like the um, I guess so. Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm still getting used to everything. Yeah, right absolutely. Yeah. So with all of your free time, we know that you're doing a lot of art. You're writing a story. Have you been mm-hmm. watching any movies or any TV shows that people should be like listening to or watching? Um, well, I've been watching Stranger Things, like when okay. I have a chance. And, um, what? 
Oh yeah, and I've been like um making weird videos for fun. Are you like like TikTok videos or just videos? Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's <laughs> <laughs> I don't well, really know what to do right now, so I'm just kind of like mm, well, I guess I have to do this now. <laughs> well, as we kind of come to the end of this, and you're talking about TikTok, I was wondering, yeah. is it? Would you like to kind of plug your TikTok for to get some extra followers or anything? Would you like to say? Or you're oh, sure, sure. Yeah, okay, go um, ahead. Go ahead. To, how let how do I do that? How do I do that? You go ahead and, uh, basically, you would just go ahead and say what your TikTok uh, handle is or your Instagram handle. And then like the name? Or like whatever. Name? Yeah. Um, it's lower, it's all lowercase, just, and then like a little bottom dash, another. Underscore. Under, another underscore after another, and then cringe. And then underscore. So it's like like three underscores in between okay. just another cringe. That's it. Got it. Okay. So if you yeah. want, you can send that to me and I can go ahead and put it on the thing. And then okay. can, people could go ahead and follow some of your cool TikTok videos. Okay. Okay. That sounds good. Awesome. Well, Sophia, yeah. uh, it was so awesome to hear from you. It was awesome to hear from me too. Okay, maybe we could go ahead and maybe at a later date we could do like another little interview, okay? Okay, that sounds fun. Okay, bye Sophia, have a great day. Bye Mr. Carday, thank you, you too. So I am here with uh, Mrs. Jennifer Jackson, the principal of Clifton Middle School. Uh, I'm podcasting with the principal right now. So uh, Ms. Jackson, do you want to say hello? Hello, everybody. We miss you so much. On behalf of everyone, this has been just as much of a struggle for all of us adults. And we hope that everyone is out there. It's safe and healthy and doing well. I can't agree more. It's kind of crazy to see the challenges that parents and students and adults and everyone is like facing right now. Um, I just, uh, I just can't really wrap my head around this kind of transition almost. Uh, it's been pretty difficult. Uh, how's it been for you? I would say that it's probably one of the biggest challenges I have ever encountered. Both as an educator and as a human personal position, not only am I leading a school, but I am a student at the same time, and I'm also a parent. And so to take all three of those things and merge them into one household under the Safer at Home orders has been quite the challenge. And it's, it comes with a range of emotion and I think the most important thing I can say has helped me is to take things one day at a time. No, I can't. Uh, it's, it's so funny. Like we're in that you get into these situations now uh, that you could never have imagined like how difficult they were. And it just constant, I'm in my third year of teaching and I just think back to when I was getting my credential, uh, you know, I was taking classes and then working and teaching. And for some reason, 
I thought to myself, I'm like, you know what? Like just teaching is going to be so much easier than all of this. It's actually somehow going to be my first year of teaching has to be easier. And you start your first year of teaching and you're like, that couldn't have been any more wrong than, than I thought. And, you know, then you take on more responsibilities and more challenge. And then it's, it's so interesting that it's like, it's more like the challenges just evolve than necessarily getting harder. You know, it's, it just kind of becomes an, a part of your life as you kind of like move down this thought process, uh, down this, this kind of like road. Um, and as we kind of talk about the road that we're walking on, I've been asking a lot of the other educators what kind of experiences they had before getting into education that really inform how they work with kids. So can you tell me a little bit about what you were doing before education and maybe how that affects the way you interact with students on a daily basis? Well, my, my path to education was not a typical one as I, I did not go to college to become a teacher. So I'm really a, a science um, lover and that was my interest in college. And while a biology degree is wonderful, I knew I did not want to go to med school. And so I was left asking myself, what am I going to do with this degree? So my first job out of um, college was at the City of Hope. I actually was part of a research team and it was really rewarding. But what I lost in that process was human contact. And isn't that interesting under this <laughs> pandemic right now, the thing that we're missing. So in my, in my desire to use my science degree, I decided to pursue education. But while I was a college student, I worked for the county and I was a tutor at Girls Republic, which is the group home located up the street actually from Clifton Middle School. <laughs> And I spent five nights a week for a year and a half with girls in that home um, who come from a variety of backgrounds and unfortunately um, have been incarcerated. And I grew a deep love for those girls and the traumas that they faced. And I realized that they just needed somebody to love them and accept them and not judge them on their past. So that part of it is what gave, laid the foundation for me to pursue teaching. And, and when I applied to become a teacher in the late 90s, that's when emergency credentials were being handed out. And because I was pursuing a science teaching position, it became very easy for me to select where I would teach. And I began my career in West Covina. So I would say that that, that year and a half with those girls allowed me to see what kids need and has allowed me to um, really fall in love with my interactions daily with students, no matter how easy or difficult, how happy or sad, um, that has really given me the strength to carry on in this very challenging position of being an educator. It's kind of, it's, it's so interesting because I, I came from a, little, a very similar kind of background, actually. I, in school, or I should say after school, had no interest in teaching and was kind of not sure where I was going at a moment until I actually was started working with kids daily. Um, and for me, that came from working with a, a, in a summer camp position 
and you kind of do this and you start connecting with students and you connect with kids and then you're like, oh, well, maybe this isn't so bad. And, uh, and that's kind of what led me from this idea of like never wanting to like go back to school in any capacity to this desire to now offer students a different, uh, a different experience than like what I got, I guess. Um, and another funny part is that my education career also started in West Covina. I did my student teaching at South Hills High School. So it's kind of funny that both of our stories kind of started with this idea of never, not wanting to work with, with kids that much. And then all of a sudden leading to West Covina and eventually Monrovia, uh, my, my grandma, I, Monrovia is actually really close to my heart because my grandma spent almost her entire life there and right down the street from Clifton. So it's kind of hilarious that, you know, you worked just up the street from Clifton and I would constantly visit my grandma's house who is a stone's throw away from Clifton right down the street. So that's just kind of a interesting little nugget. Um, with that, uh, with that background, um, you say you talk about bringing like this unique, I, this unique background of, you know, not wanting to work with kids, to being in an emergency credential, um, to being a parent, to being a student, to being a principal. Um, can you talk a little bit about that parent aspect and how that kind of like maybe evolved some of how you work with, with the kids that we work with? Well, I believe that most people know this, um, that I have a, a four-year-old daughter and she has a heart condition. And I will tell you, while that road has not been easy in any way, I'm better for it. Um, it has taught me a different level of hope and resilience that I don't believe I could have ever attained in any other way. And so it, in talking about the parenting aspect, um, and now looking through her lens and what she needs in school. Um, and now I'm providing that spliced throughout the day and night as I continue to lead Clifton is really looking for um, and building on her strengths and providing her what she needs. And I think that is the, the global approach that I look at every student at Clifton with. It doesn't matter where you're beginning. What matters is that you're progressing. And so coming from a child who is constantly compared in the medical world to, you know, bell curves and what the average kid is do doing and what studies have said, it's very frustrating to always hear those comparisons. And so I tend to spend my time looking at her trajectory of where she's headed, where she started, where she's going. And, and now I get to see that firsthand. Um, my dining room has turned into Layla's learning hub and I have things categorized and while I don't get to sit down at eight o'clock in the morning and replicate her preschool day because I'm working it's a matter of picking and choosing what are those things that she needs to receive today and how I'm going to how am I going to provide that and um, again her this journey of parenting and the experiences of being an educator I think have have made me better for it. So while I don't have all the answers and I'm definitely not going to say that I have this whole thing at home figured out, again, I go back to finding the balance right now is the most important thing and it is overwhelming. And it's important to know that everybody is struggling, but it's okay to say when you're not okay. 
Um, and that's, I think, the part of taking one day at a time is waking up, prioritizing today what needs to get done and doing your and making your best attempt at it and not beating yourself up if some of those things don't get accomplished and then waking up the next day and figuring out that next day's plan. I think that's the only way to approach this situation right now without creating a, a very serious situation mental health wise for people. So that's the way I'm handling it. Um, as I mentioned, I am in my final stages. Well, I said I'm a student, but I am, I am in my final stages of a doctoral program, which means uh, I'm weeks away from virtually defending my dissertation proposal, proposal and conducting my research. So um, that has also been a drastic change in environment. So one day at a time, take those, take, take those deep breaths, prioritize. Um, that's how I'm approaching things. And it's okay to say you're not okay. No, it's, uh, you know, it, it's obviously the unknown right now for everybody is obviously like the scariest part, but one thing that I, I don't know if it's like my own mindset or whatever. One thing I can't stop thinking about is like the potential for what this means moving forward. What we talk about, what experiences have driven us, you know, to be teachers and how we interact with students. It's like, what is this moment in time? You know, I, I don't want to like get too giant, but like, uh, what does this mean for education moving forward? Like, what does this mean for our options? And what does this mean for, you know, these big picture parts of it? Um, I think the one thing that I've constantly been thinking about, and it's like, you see it everywhere is obviously like you have this term distance learning and, and the number one thing is for that to happen. You know, families need internet in their homes, like to make this kind of a, a change. And what does that mean for us moving forward? Not just, you know, Monrovia, but, but like every school district, does this mean that if we need to be prepared now, all of a sudden the internet is going to be something provided on a larger scale, right? Or, or what is that? I, I also think about before all of this, uh, I don't have a, I don't have a, a child of my own yet, but I talked to my producer and we talk about this idea. It's like, will, will our, will our, the children that our children be the first ones that it's like, you have to have a cell phone or you have to have a device at school. And I just wonder, what do you think about some of those, those potential evolutions, like moving forward post this whole transition? Like what kind of thoughts do you have? I think it's inevitable that this is going to change aspects of, of education. And I think some of those are going to be for the better. And I think some of them are going to present challenges. Um, you know, it's, it's one of these things where you, um, it's, it, they say it's never the right time to do something. Well, we weren't given that opportunity. We were forced in this environment based on what was happening with the virus. Mm -hmm. So when you're forced into a situation and you're taking something on in an abrupt manner, you have no choice but to start looking at things differently. And I think that's going to provide us some really essential tools um, that are going to be both global conversations and local conversations. And I think one of the biggest things that's going to stem from this is equity. Mm -hmm. You know, equity has been a topic for 50 years, but now we're really talking about equity because mm -hmm. if you don't have it in your house right now, how is, how is that okay with access mm -hmm. or not okay with access? So I think that's going to be a starting point. I also think it might influence how 
um, states and districts are funded. Yeah. I think there, there could be some influence with that. And with all these new partners, I can only speak for California, but when you hear about the governor partnering with companies like Google and Silicon Valley and trying to bring the business community in to support distance learning, that could also change yeah. the face of what we do for our kids. So I, I think, um, you know, and, and then we're holding on to what was, we're holding on to what we knew. And I think that's also really difficult. You know, what's going to happen for promotion? What's going to happen for graduation? How are we going to still conduct end of year awards? All of these, these other things that contribute to the culture and fabric of a school, um, you know, those types of things could also pave the way for something different in the future. So um, I'm going to err on the side of optimism here and say <laughs> that there's going to be great things um, that come from this, but I'm also realistic in the sense that there will be challenges along the way. Um, but you know what, in some way, this might be a nice catalyst for public education. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think, you know, being on uh, like, quote unquote, education Twitter, I think the one the one part that I've kind of uh, latched onto is this idea that educa every educator is going to come back better from this. You know, you can take these these lessons that we're going to have to learn, and you know, being thrown into the frying, you know, going from the frying pan into the fire, and having to learn how to manage a lot of these things is incredibly stressful. Um, but the small tools and small skills and small experiences that we kind of, you know, talked about bringing us to education and informing us, there's just that much more coming now that's going to influence what happens when we get back. And I think that learning curve for parents and for students and, and for teachers is, is going to get smaller. And all of a sudden, you're going to have a whole new well of things to kind of pull from. So I just, I, that's kind of like, my little tie up for that one. Uh, with, with that, uh, I want to kind of open it up. Did you have any questions or any thoughts that you wanted to add towards the end of this interview? Well, I just want to say that, that while everybody has their own individual circumstances right now and life is extremely stressful, I, I just think to dig deeply into that world of empathy and search for the little kind things that, that people can do in and around the house or through technology right now are ever so important. Um, and I hope that our Clifton community will, will reach out and do that. We put that in our video that was sent out. And mm -hmm. I think that that is more critical than ever because of where people are emotionally. So I would just encourage everyone to pick something nice to do for someone or yourself every day and, and really dig into that little, that, that deep, ball of empathy that that we all hold um but now more than ever we need to really really actually utilize it yeah i couldn't uh once again i couldn't agree more and uh with that i'm gonna go ahead and sign sign off here thank you mrs jackson for uh coming on the podcast right now i really appreciate you taking time out to to make time to to reach out to our, our community here so thank you very much Thank you, Mr. Carday. Of course. Well, that's it for episode three. I'd like to thank Sophia and Principal Jennifer Jackson for coming on the podcast and being our guest this week. During these difficult times, there are people everywhere working as hard as they can to simply make it work. 
Our community has so many amazing shops, restaurants, and organizations that are providing great deals and support for the city. I'd like to give a shout out to the Monrovia Public Library. They're doing live readings on Instagram, as well as activities you can do from home. If you don't have a library card, you can get an online card from their website and access their entire online catalog. Thank you for everything that you guys do. As a reminder, don't forget to check out my social media pages at Mr. Underscore Knickknack on Instagram and Twitter for updates. Thank you for listening and reach out if you'd like to be a guest on future pods.